Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And I'm happy to have with us uh, my good friend, Bruce Backman, a uh, recovering Republican uh, political consultant, as well as a former uh, advisor to Roger Ailes of Fox News, a man who has uh, lived and breathed uh, Republican politics for quite some time. Bruce, uh, welcome to Spin Class. Thank you very much for having me. So, Bruce, let's just take it from the top. Big news. Big news. Yeah. Bob Mueller has been silent. The guy has not spoken to pretty much anybody for two years. I mean, you wonder, like, if he's you know said just about anything. People were kind of saying they never even heard his voice. He holds a hasty press conference, about 20 minutes, etc. It kind of says... Yeah, the report's the report. That's it. And I ain't saying anything else. Goodbye. I resign. I'm out of here. And, uh, of course, you know, president's still taking his victory lap. Democrats don't know what to do. Where does that leave the rest of us? I mean, the Democrats have a real problem, and it's not Bob Mueller. It's a strong economy. It's good numbers in unemployment. It's relatively stable uninflation. Um, They're going into a presidential election campaign, and they have nothing to run on. The Republicans had the same problem in 95, especially in 96, where they kept on talking about scandal, scandal, scandal with Clinton, and then all the way through. Because when the economic numbers are not in your favor, you got to find something to run on. Because the truth of the matter, for most Americans, life today is better. And, you know, every indicator, economic indicator, I mean, there isn't an economic indicator I've seen that's a sign that anybody isn't doing better now than they were three years ago. And Democrats want to win the White House. They hate the president. Um, they have a disdain for the Republican Party, and they've got to find some wedge to go after him. So any way they can spin Bob Mueller's report or this press conference today, they're going to do because they can't really talk about the things that most Americans care about. I could tell you right now that nobody I know really cares about Bob Mueller except people who really hate the president or people who have nothing else to do with their lives. And and you know, I think that's the I think it's the issue right there is that nobody, truthfully, except those somebody with a lot of time in their hands, is going to read a four hundred and forty eight page report and dissect it and think about. Mm, yes, I think it's yes, more you're right. than that. I think the Democrats. I think, I think Mueller has gone through a very long. Like him, don't like him, defend him, not defend him. He's gone through a very long couple of years in doing this investigation. Whether you liked it or you didn't. He wants out. He wanted to make a statement. He never wanted to be bothered about it again. I think. But why did he make the statement? I mean, did he make the statement because I mean, because Barr went out and said things, and he disagreed with them, or he agrees with Barr? He he thinks the president should be impeached. A lot of things. I I mean, it's almost like you know we're taking like a Gemara here. You're trying to figure out what the you know the Rishonim trying to figure out what the Gemara says. Like everybody's trying to figure out what does Mueller really mean? Is he saying I can't? (coughs) Excuse me, I can't go ahead and indict. But you should go ahead and impeach, or he's saying I mean, that's not it. Not to like, if you don't, a person who doesn't like, a person could have found the president not guilty of a series of charges and still not liked him. Um, a person could just want to say something so he could live in peace and be left alone. You know, I'm not sure this is going to allow him to live in peace. There could be a Machiavellian thing that the Trump people kind of like it because the more the Democrats talk about impeachment politics, the more the president's prospects for re-election get stronger and it stays off of other issues. Um, you know, the president's personal character and how he carries himself, even in Republican circles, isn't really the most popular thing. But on issues and red meat stuff, he's he's with everybody. Yeah, I, I look, I think impeachment is a political loser. I've said, you know, said it before on the show uh, for it. But the funny thing here is, is almost daring I, and the president's daring their Democrats to impeach. 
And <coughs> the truth is, look, impeachment is political. And if you want to if you want to play hardball, go ahead and do it. I'm not I don't know and I'm a bit of a historian. I mean, <coughs> amateur one at best, but you know, I studied it and I wanted to do a graduate thesis before I realized you can't make a living with it. Um, that's for the I, next show. We'll talk about that's that. for the next show. But <laughs> but the truth is, is historically, I don't know any campaign for. There are very few campaigns I can think of offhand without other exacerbating issues like a very bad economy or a war. That running on you know process story style stuff has been effective for the parity that's out of power. I mean, Andrew Cuomo just won re-election in the state of New York as governor, and he's been under investigation, and his administration has had people who've had to resign. I don't even know if people... I don't even follow it every day, but I think some people even had to go to jail. Yeah, some um, people went to jail. Some people his, went to his, jail. His, and he's the, and today he was quoted as saying he's maybe wants to run for a fourth term. So, you know, for people who think that it's like a winning issue to run after process stories, to go after a president... I mean, if you don't like the president, go after him on policy. I think that's one of the reasons that... The, the South Bend mayor, the, you know... Buttigieg. Buttigieg, whatever you call him, Buttigieg, I think one of the reasons that success is because when he speaks on in public, I mean, he's not talking about impeachment. He's talking about issues relating to regular people in their day-to-day lives because that's what most people care about. And that's why he's gotten traction because the other message, Cory Booker and company and all the rest of them, Cory Booker's numbers, are, you know, I probably have more votes in the Democratic primary for president than Cory Booker does. <laughs> So my, my theory here is that the Democrat, I, I think Democrats may, and I, I really, I look at the politics here, the substance, I'm not a lawyer, I, sure. and I don't really, you know, indictable, this, thresholds, conviction, whatever, okay, that's, I'll let somebody else deal with that. But the politics here, and I, I you know, said this for a while, Democrats really got wrong, because they hitched themselves to Mueller in such a way that because they wanted him to save them from the political pitfalls of impeachment. They figured, okay, Mueller's going to take him out. We don't need to do it. We don't need to do the hard work of impeachment or winning the election in 2020 or whatever, because somebody else is going to save us from Trump because who they regard as an illegitimate president to begin with. That's their first problem. So they hitched themselves to Mueller. The report didn't say what they wanted it to say so they wanted to get him let's get him into the let's get him on tv now they're not going to get him on tv so it's definitely it's definitely an issue if you're a democratic strategist like how are you figuring out and i'm trying to game this out is that how would i try and get the public to try i mean donald trump's approval ratings are already pretty pretty bad but you got to start. But they're not. But you got to start teasing they're Republicans not away from him. They're not bad. Okay, explain. His personal explain. approvals explain. Are may not be bad, but people's feeling about the country, about certain economic indicators, is very strong. Ah. So it's not that he's bad. Do people want to love Donald Trump as a human being? No. But at the same time, do people love the job he's doing in many respects? Yes. But his approval rating should be higher. His I mean, we can say ratings it. will be high. We're two Republicans here. We there can say it. There, people, there, 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 I like the president. I support the president. I didn't always. I think he's doing a good job. I think I think that most of the people that he's fighting with in Washington are much worse than he is. I just think most people haven't really spent time with these people, and they don't know <laughs> that yet. 
I mean, if you spend enough time in Washington and you find out who the other people are the president's dealing with all day, who he's making upset, they're way worse than he is. That's why most of the country is taking a pass at him. And the president's the president's going into a re-election. I mean, he's in his 40s. He hasn't started to make his campaign why he should be re-elected. If the economy holds up through election day, I don't see a scenario by which he loses. No president in history has ever lost with a strong economy going into an election day in the last 50 years. Not that I can think of. I mean, George H.W. Bush was beloved as a human being in 1992 and he lost because it was the economy stupid. Right. And I'm not really sure why. Every, and, the, and Reagan won in 84 on the same thing. And there were just as many people who hated Ronald Reagan, even though everybody doesn't want to believe it. I mean, my God. I mean, Ronald Reagan's daughter used to go on to, was protesting him in nuclear, nuclear rallies in the early 80s. I mean, there was, a, there was like tens, hundreds of thousands of people marching in the streets. I mean, everybody has this like crazy, they don't remember, they don't know. But Donald Trump is a, is a unique personality. Not everybody likes him. I get that. But at the same time, I mean, you can't take away that his administration has done a good job for the country. And most people, including people who didn't vote for him, are feeling it, particularly a lot of minority groups, a lot of groups in poor areas, places which haven't seen any economic growth in a long time. I mean, you dice up the numbers any way you want. I mean, you have to be a magician to prove that he's not doing a good job, especially when it comes to jobs. And the economy. I mean, that's that's why the Democrats are running after impeachment. They're hoping that this impeachment thing is going to be so strong that it's going to carry them through to over so yeah. people don't notice the economic stuff. And I don't know if they didn't want Bob Mueller to indict. I think there was many people in Congress who wanted to indict Donald Trump on their own. They wanted to be the one that could bring home almost like they slayed the dragon. I think there's a lot of people in some blue districts, especially in places like San Francisco and New York and um, you know some other big cities around the country where they want to say they're the dragon slayer. I mean, come on. Let's look at the facts. Gerald Nadler represents Upper West Side. Um, and Borough Park. And Borough... What? And Borough Park. Yes, Borough Park? Yeah. How did he get that? Yeah, well... <laughs> Gerald Nadler's biggest representation based on the Upper West Side of that Manhattan. Is, yes. That is. And then you go to my friend in California... Um, Nancy the, Pelosi? No, Nancy Pelosi represents San Francisco. Yeah. And so then the congressman from LA. Ted Lowe? No. Brad Sherman. Brad Sherman. Not Brad Sherman, the other one. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of them. The one who's on TV every day. Oh, Adam Schiff. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the districts these people represent. Look at who their bases are. And then look at Democrats like Kathleen Rice in the five towns where I live. She's not on the, she doesn't like the president, but she's not raising all holy hell about it because in her district, her election depends on bringing jobs and other things like that. So she's much more popular here. If she's going to run around and start screaming at impeachment, she may face, she may have a Republican who could be very competitive with her. Nobody really cares. The only people who care are the people who really hate Trump. And those are not the people who live in the suburbs of the United States. Even though they didn't do well in the last cycle, I think that was a bit of a protest of voicing a bit of dissatisfaction. But at the same time, I mean, historically, which president hasn't lost seats in his first midterm election? From well, Reagan to Clinton. I mean, Reagan, Clinton, Obama. Um, I mean, Bush didn't really lose in 1990. We know how that turned out. I mean, George W. Bush didn't really lose, but that was because of 9-11. Then you go back to Jimmy Carter. He lost. Then you go back to... I mean, I could go all the way back. I don't know no, any president I, who hasn't lost. I, I, and then won his re-election. I don't disagree. Except maybe FDR in 1934. I'm not disagreeing with the premise here that but Donald Trump probably should win and certainly can win. Uh, I, it is surprising, given the strengths and given some of the fundamentals that are going on, that he is still mired. And I think that's a problem because he is does tend to turn off 
uh, a lot of voters and does tend to, there are things that people don't particularly find so attractive about it. Will that matter? Also, Will that matter when the, you know, when the, when time for voting? I don't know. Yeah, but, that, I, but we also don't know, you know, there's 25 Democrats now. running. But come back to the sure, polling. Come His back. approvals are not that as high as they should be. But the economic indicators and people's satisfaction with the economic but indicators. But he's never cracked there. fifty. But one second. He's never cracked one fifty. Second. Which president there. which president of all those that you named before never cracked fifty? Obama didn't start cracking fifty. No, we, never cracked fifty. He doesn't have to crack fifty yet. He has to crack fifty on election day. Okay. He's he never, doesn't even have to crack 50 right, on he election never, day. Correct. He didn't crack 50. He doesn't have to when crack I, 50 on election day. Bill, nobody realizes Bill Clinton never cracked 50 in 1992 or 1996. Because well, he was a three-way race? Irrespective of that, yeah. he still couldn't crack 50. Yeah. People but, don't realize that. But so George which, W. Bush didn't crack 50. I think there's a reason there are, tw- there are 23 Democrats running. I mean, I think it's pretty insane that there are 23 Democrats running. But the 23 Democrats yeah, running but a lot of clearly Demo- see a weakness... But something changed in the last cycle too. Is that all the demo? Every, they learned that because of the social media and the changes in how we get our news today, that if you want to raise your profile for anything, even a post political career, um, it's good to run for president. There isn't enough oxygen TV. there for for all these guys. Well, no, some of them will clear out because they're not going to be able to raise enough money to be competitive. But they'll be able to. They'll have a primary with a solid ten or twelve, and then that'll whittle its way down. It'll get down to about three or four. Once they get past to Super Tuesday, and then it'll be down to about three, and whoever those three are, they'll consolidate as far as a moderate base. Uh, there'll be a Bernie Sanders esque character if it's Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. I'm not sure, and then you'll have somebody like a Joe Biden on his side, Joe Biden, and then you'll have the the hopey, dreamy candidate. Are you surprised that Joe Biden's numbers are so strong? No, he has a very good name ID, but his numbers have nowhere to go but down, and he knows that. Um, his numbers, there's nowhere for his numbers to go up. I mean, he has the highest name ID in the race. I mean, he was the vice president of the United States for eight years. Right. So his numbers are peaking now. The question is, will they be able to hold? Right, but they've been, you know, they've been holding. So They've been holding because we're far away from an election campaign. Let's get to Iowa where you have to shake hands with everybody and you'll see a surprise. I mean, come on, did anybody ever think that Rick Santorum was going to win the Iowa caucuses or Mike Huckabee? Three months, a month out? Or even Barack Obama six months out? I mean, let's be realistic here. It's a long time until election day. Nobody. Oh, it's a very long. Hands. It's a very long time until. It's a election. very long time. And Although Joe Biden's numbers are in artificial. A, in a couple of weeks, you have the first Democratic debates, which is going to be interesting. I know you know. So no, I, but I want to come back to something about please, the Trump approval. Please, numbers. please go. Trump's approval numbers are not that high, but there's always this group of people who are embarrassed to say they support the president, who secretly support the president. I meet them all the time. They still One say. Second. They still say that. One second. Arthur Finkelstein now. of blessed memory, a dear friend of mine, who was one of the arguably the greatest pollster of the 20th century, Republican pollster, maybe pollster altogether. Arthur told me a story years ago about Stephen Goldsmith when he was running for mayor of Indianapolis, and he wasn't doing very well in the polls, and he was doing well in the polls, and he kept on losing, and they couldn't figure out why, what was going on. I think it was in the primary and the election. So they started polling, and they always had Goldsmith up by four, six, eight points, and then he would lose on election day. Indiana, Indiana uniquely is the only state in the country that's ever elected a Klansman to be its governor in the 1920s. They have a little history of anti-Semitism. Goldsmith was Jewish. So they ran a poll and they wanted John to John Birch Society also. Was yeah. So, yeah. So they wanted to ask, they ran a poll. The poll asked, are you anti-Semitic? 90-10. Some crazy high number. We're not, we're not, we're not. Arthur said they're lying. He ran another poll. Um, is your neighbor an anti-Semite? Do you know any anti-Semites? All of a sudden the number was 60-40. 75, 3rd, 25. It was high. So Arthur said something I'll never... Rem- I, he told me 20 years ago. He said, 
polling is a very accurate science, as long as people are telling the truth. And there's a lot of people who may not like the president, but surprisingly enough, come election day, like against Hillary Clinton, where not any pollster in the country had it, are always pleasantly surprised in the most unusual places. There are people in their neighborhoods, in Manhattan even, or in the suburbs in Westchester, who can't tell anybody, they don't want to tell people they like the president. They're embarrassed. Great story. I went to a, a venue in Manhattan to book an event for something, for a nonprofit fundraiser that I was on the board of. And I was talking to the lady, and she says, oh, the last time I was at this event, you know, they honored Donald Trump five years ago, before anybody knew I was going to have a president. I said, I shouldn't even say his name. I said to her, she says, what do you mean say his name? I vote for him. I think he's amazing. A Manhattan socialite style, young lady, professional, working in a place, the antithesis of somebody. She says, oh, I like the president. I don't say it too loud around here. A lot of us do. I'm not saying that the president's numbers are, are in the 60s. But I, I have a funny feeling that his numbers on an election day when his name is on a ticket will exceed whatever he's polling now. Whether people are able to pick up on it or not, that's the job for pollsters. All right, let's talk about somebody you know well, or at least you know well politically, and who is not polling so well. That is uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. What exactly? Look is at that? all the scandals he had, and he still won re-election. Okay, well there you go. What exactly? I mean, my God, the, the most probably most corrupt mayor in the history, one of the most corrupt mayors in the history of New York, going back to Jimmy Walker. I look. I've said it before. I mean, this is a case where we won seventy. This is a case 70, where This is a case where the feds charged somebody with bribing him and convicted the guy. Pleaded guilty, but didn't charge the mayor with accepting the bribe. But it is what it is. Um, why is he running for president? Because he thinks it's good for his message and he has nothing to do in a few years and he's got to find a new job. Why do half these guys keep on running for stuff? Well, I at least you could make a case that... Because it's good business. Maybe he'll get a show on You can make a CNN. case like Michael Bennett, who's the senator from Colorado, is least popular at home. Steve Bullock, who's the mayor, who is the governor of Montana, is popular at home. Bill de Blasio is not you know popular the, at You home. know the one Democrat who'd be a very good candidate, but I guess there's not a thirst for him to run this year, is Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington. He is running. I know, but he would. he's not going to be the nominee. But he's running. But he's not. there's no room. He's not getting the Okay, but he's popular at home. He's not only he's popular at home. That's what I'm saying. Is there's a, a But there's a, pop, there's a popularity. Bill de Blasio is not popular in New York City. People do not want him to run. Even his donors, the New York Times profiled his donors this week and asked them whether they actually get a plan to vote for him, and they uniformly said no. Mayors of New York, when they've tried to run for president, going back to Lindsay... Run for anything. Run for governor. Run for... Mayor of New York is not the best launching pad to run for anything outside of being mayor of New yeah, York. Yeah, at least Mike Bloomberg was willing I to mean, admit it. Ed Koch... Rudy Giuliani, um, John Lindsay is the greatest proof in the world. Sure. Um, it's never really been a big launching pad. And the truth be told is it's the second greatest job in the country after being president of the United States by every by all accounts of people who serve in public life. There's nothing what's what's I mean, you know, that what's greater than being mayor of New York City as far as what you're able to do and the it's the most exciting job in the world in many ways. Not more than the president, but it, it, it has a certain uniqueness to it. I think he wants to be president, but I also think he has a series of message and agenda, and he has ideas, and it's part of this new quasi-socialist revolution that's overtaking the Democratic Party, and he doesn't want to get left behind. So, any... I'm surprised that Bernie... <laughs> Sa I'm surprised that Bernie Sanders, that, that there's there's so many people trying to sit in Bernie Sanders' shoes. Yeah. 
I, I just I don't even know what the rationale is for Bill de Blasio to get in. Well, there's nothing else to do. He's but he's never the really mayor. had a job before this. He's the mayor. He's running a city. He's never of carried 8 million himself people. like the mayor. Yeah, but that's what he's supposed to be doing. I mean, if you're... I mean, come on. Everybody knows. Even even Democrats know. He's amongst... He's And he's got to go to the gym in Park Slope every day. I mean, that's not easy. I to, mean, the President of the United States has to, to be camp, up before 11 a.m. To campaign... And I'm not working on any campaigns now. And the president of the United States can't be smoking pot. So in the backyard of his apartment. Isn't that legal now? Or that I don't know. Legal or not, it's just not something it's you're kind supposed of we, to do. It's kind of, I am surprised uh, that, and that's coming up against the deadline in Albany, the uh, cannabis recreational. It's a pretty random cannabis. statement I've made. But I mean, no, no, it, it that's is going but on it, about it, this for years. It's actually an odd. The mayor's a pothead. It's it's an actually an odd situation that's going on at Albany right now because the the march towards legalization of recreational marijuana was very strong. I want to say one and thing. everybody kind of assumed that that was going to pass in Albany, and for sure, and that had tremendous momentum. And now we're getting off the get to the end, and it didn't pass in New Jersey this year, and it doesn't look like it's going to pass in New York. Two states, you know, progressive, controlled by Democrats, and everybody expected it to happen, and it's not. It didn't happen. So, it shouldn't and, happen. Well, whether or not it shouldn't, it's look politically. I only care about the politics. I'm not going to moralize here. It's not about morality. It's about... <laughs> you You were going to say something. Well, give, I have to give the mayor credit. I went to a town hall that the mayor once did. Lindsay, Bloomberg, Giuliani, oh, de Blasio. De Blasio, okay. who yeah. I really dislike, but I have to give him credit on one thing. He really knows genuinely how little he knows. <laughs> So when he does one of these town halls and he brings all the people from his administration to answer questions, he pretty much says nothing. And and I give him a lot of credit for that because he knows he doesn't know anything. He hired some people who know things, whether I agree with them or not, and he lets them talk. And I have to say that I was very impressed because, you know, it's one thing to be an idiot, but I have to give a credit for someone when he knows he is. Like I saw him in a town hall in Borough Park and he pretty much said nothing. For two hours, just pointed. Oh, I don't know the answer to that. Let's call up the secretary of this, the the person in charge of that department. But at one point, I looked at him and I was like, "Wow, I'm pretty impressed at him that he seems comfortable enough to give over to people in administration, knowing full well that he doesn't know anything about what they're about to talk about." I mean, when he's talking about Vision 2020, the driving stuff, like, I don't know. Okay, let's call up this one. I don't know. I don't know. We'll call up this one. And it just went on for three hours. And it was quite refreshing. Well, he probably shouldn't take this on the road because you know, the voters in New Hampshire tend to be No, more but you know what? Jesse Ventura, when he ran for senator years ago, the governor of Minnesota a long sure. time ago, he was in a debate. One of the things people loved was they asked questions in the debate. And he said, didn't know the answer. I don't know. And people, it's so refreshing when you hear somebody say they don't know because it's not possible to know everything. It's okay, you don't know, and you're going to learn about it later. And that mayor, that's his greatest quality is that he's, he doesn't know and he knows he doesn't know. <laughs> so maybe he'll bring in some smart people. He hasn't really brought... I mean, the woman, people he brings to run the education in New York are not that smart. No. Um, I've heard that from Democrats. Now, is, well, is the, the guy, Richard Carranza, now is involved in a huge scandal of you know firing white people, essentially, or expunging, you know, pushing out white people of the thing. But I, I, we got we gotta, to we, we gotta talk about Israeli politics here because another big enchilada going on is the Knesset has voted to dissolve. This is the first time in the history of the state of Israel... Uh, 71 years that they have so quickly dissolved their government. And it was, a, I, th- I guess, a shrewd move by Bibi when he saw he wasn't going to be able to form a government. And, of course, the Rivlin has the option of asking somebody else to form a government. He decided to take the initiative and had the Knesset 
pass the law to dissolve itself, but it's a big risk uh, going in now. You're going into another thing. Um, you know, he's still got his legal troubles. Uh, yeah, the left is discredited, but who knows? Maybe blue and white comes back a little stronger. Other people, you never know what's what can happen. I mean, BB is the greatest, one of the greatest politicians, po- absolutely in the world. So uh, that's he one of the greatest. That's what that was my question you know, for you is what is, what's not he to mention Arthur again. But Arthur used to tell me years ago that when he was spoke about BB, he said that there isn't smarter than BB. I mean, this was twenty years ago. I mean, BB's just. But at the same time, there are people who are really smart who do really stupid things. Um, I I wonder the wisdom of going back to another election. I wonder if the Israelis will be frustrated with Bibi, and I wonder if it leads to a certain malaise with him. I wonder and, if and the it's not even soon. Frustrated. I wonder if the right and the Lieberman thing. The the elections are in September. But you also have it's, to understand it's a long. You got a long slog is, until then. Israel. And they have to go through a summer, and, and yeah. Palestinians like to make trouble in the summer for some reason. Um, so you have to be wary. Of and the peace plan was supposed to be revealed this week or last There's week a lot or of the week after. On. Obviously, I mean, that's on ice. The White House likes this president. Likes, pre- I mean, this yeah. Well, minister. the White House can't be happy with the new elections because no. the president, president was openly tweeting, uh, saying that everybody should, you know, BB should be able to. Former governments, obviously, you know, there were quite a few people who were offended by that. But. I mean, but Bibi has to be looking at internal polling, showing that if he goes to another election, he's going to be strong. I mean, Lieberman could essentially be wiped out, wiped out in another election campaign. Yeah, could be. Plus, the Orthodox vote could could exacerbate. But then, the left is kind of like at the party, but they're not really invited. There's just not enough leftists in Israel. I mean, they, well, they're, 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 there's no. It's a sixty four. Blue and white country. wasn't really a leftist party. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a. It isn't, but it is. No, no, I, they they incorporate some. You, they incorporate some elements of it's the a party left. Made of, but they're not. Who don't like BB. No, correct, correct. But eventually, if you don't like BB and you hang out in that crowd, you're on the left. Well, you're saying I. Think, and then you're in bed with the left, and you're forming a government with the left, and if they can, and and all those people are back in the government again, who are you know, including Arab parties, which there's nothing wrong with Arab people being in the government. No, they've but never I'm saying done it before. For the right wingers, it's a dead on arrival kind of thing to have a government where Hadash or somebody else is going to have sway. You know, one of those parties, the representing views that are antithetical to the, you know, the furtherance of the state of Israel. Actually, uh, I read very funny that I'm in uh, Odev, the uh, one of the Arab parties got up and there was a lull in the dissolution vote. And he said that uh, BB asked me to join the coalition. I readily agreed. And uh, he's and my price. He was going to pull back to sixty-seven borders. And he was going to do this and do this and this. And it was a great laugh. Everybody was laughing. They thought that was, uh, you know, BB. BB is a very smart politician. <laughs> I'm sure he has good pollsters. Isn't McLaughlin? Who's advising him? Yeah, yeah. I think I think McLaughlin's I been think involved. The I mean, he's over good, there. Correct. Yeah. He's. There's no, there's no question that the right has a definitely preponderance of. Uh, of of the yes. the electorate the problem the problem the ri- is you run in a parliamentary system you roll the dice on elections and it doesn't always come out exactly how oh, you the want the other thing is because is because of what happened let me look at the fact that you know like Naftali Bennett and Nayel Shaked ended up outside the government that's four seats right there that's a hundred you know thousand vote you know out the door so it's it's any a lot of things can happen no but the conscription of the or of the ultra orthodox 
is is an issue where there's people on the right who are very bothered by it too. It's yeah, an interesting that was Lieberman. Issue. That was Lieberman's issue. I mean, it's you know, no, but it's beyond even people who vote Likud who aren't voting for Lieberman. Right. Even people who are voting for some of the other parties who are voting, it's something that bothers them. So any- rightfully, you know, one could argue it's it's for a longer conversation about how it ever came to being. And why it is the way it is, and you know how Ben Gurion made the deal in the first place, which people don't really talk about, it wasn't something that the right brought upon Israel, um, you know, to a certain degree. And this is an unpopular statement, but I don't know who listens. You'll tell me who your listeners are, but they didn't want the Haredim in the army in the early years of the state of Israel, so they were very eager to pass them off. They didn't realize, you know, nobody ever foresaw one day that they would make up such a substantial portion of the population. And they're dealing with it. There was a lot of deals that were made in those great bargains of the late 40s and early 50s that they're dealing with the repercussions. Of a lot of a lot later. of deals being made today. I mean, there's no. It's all about it's all about deal making. But Ben Gurion uh, stuff is. We'll have to we'll have to see when it comes down to it. You know, as we wrap up this week, uh, we no, have to to see how, what you know whether this is going to a gamble that pays off. I I agree. He's not going to do this unless he has polling. Although there was a big risk, of course, in him giving. Um, you know, letting somebody else go ahead and try and form a government, and then you know he's potentially outside. And the big thing that he wants is this immunity law uh, to immunize himself from prosecution um, until he would leave office, and that was the sticking point for some people as well. Although he seemed to have gotten past that. Anyway, we are out of time for this week. Thank you very much. Here for on Spin Class, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, Bruce Backman, Michael Fragan signing off. Thank you. And uh, hopefully by next week we will uh, not be talking about Bob Mueller once again. Unlikely. <laughs> Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.